How do leaders find that right balance between task and relationship and behave responsibly instead of reactively? We rejoin Dr. Steve Swabley and Jeremy Spidell to find that right balance that'll help us be better leaders. And we've been talking about the the task versus relationship continuum. If you think about think about a graph that's created with a horizontal axis and a vertical axis that creates kind of like a plus sign. So you have four quadrants. And on that horizontal axis, we have this task versus relationship that we've been talking about. And I think you know great leaders focus on as they as you said Jeremy as they go higher up in the organization they have to focus more on the relationship piece not that the tasks become unimportant but they get those tasks done um, through others versus doing it themselves but then there's also the the vertical aspect of the how to be which is moving away from an outside focus to more of an inside focus. And, and what I mean by that is an outside focus is it's it's all about me and my success and how do I want to be viewed as a leader. Um, and then moving up that up that um, that vertical axis to the top, it's more of a an inside focus, which is um, you know, what's good for the organization, what's good for the team, and being much more responsive versus reactive and how how you how you manage situations, and I think that plays an important part in the in the how to be, as much as much as the um, the, the task versus the relationship piece does. So I'm wondering if you can give me like a scenario because I'm trying to wrap my head around you know task relationship reactive responsive. I'm wondering if you could give me like a, a an example to help me gain that knowledge. Um, yeah, I'll I'll start with 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 one. Um, yeah, I'll 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 I'll, I'll talk about a, a leader I was working with that was um, in the in the technical field. This this individual was an engineer. Um, and this individual was an engineer that was ex-military. And so you can imagine just thinking about how an engineer thinks and how an engineer operates in the world, what that leadership role might be. And this particular individual was brought in to lead an engineering team and to really it was it was kind of a turnaround uh initiative the engineering team that he was responsible for was struggling they were um they were losing effectiveness as a team and they weren't really doing the things that was expected from the organization and this individual came in and really tried to tried to lead from that Past reactive place, thinking about our, our four quadrants, that bottom left quadrant being task oriented and reactive to the situation. And it it had some success to begin with because it created the, the it gave the message, hey guys, we got to do things different. What we're doing isn't working. But over time it began to have a have less effect. 
primarily because it was so he was so reactive in how he responded to situations. When I say reactive, what I mean by that is um, responding emotionally in an angry or a resentful way um, versus um, responding in a way that was much more thoughtful and empathetic. And through working with that individual to focus more on building relationships within the team and being more responsive and creative in how he responded to situations, he was able to shift away from the from the what to do into more of the how to be and created tremendous success on that engineering team um, over a period of about a year that I, that I worked with him. He grew the engineering team from eight individuals to 14 individuals. Um, the engineering team created several uh, new innovations in their field. Um, including um, a patent on um, an innovation in the in the tech in the area of technology that they were working, and um, it was you know is it all attributed to that shift in the from the what to do to the how to be, but that played a big role in helping that team be successful. I, I love that example, Steve. I think that's what a what a great story that really gets to the heart of what we're talking about. Um, I'll I'll give you a couple that come to mind from uh, from my experiences. One is a personal story where um, for those of you that that know uh, my background, uh, my wife and I owned an advertising agency and uh, ran that together for over a decade. And uh, as a small business owner, I was responsible for, you know, everything, right? The HR, uh, legal, anything you could come up with um, eventually found its way to my desk. And I was in the process of redoing our health care plan for the nine employees that we had. And I had about six weeks, and I spent a ton of time, and I created this great, like, matrix, and I figured out within, you know, HIPAA guidelines, I figured out that there was a way that we could uh, mitigate the, the uh, rising costs of health insurance for the company and still make sure that everybody uh, on our team ended up at, at least the same, if not better, than they were the previous year. And I was so happy, and I was I was like, oh, I did it. I, I, I cracked the code. I, I put this puzzle together. I have got the what to do in the bag. I'm going to show up at this meeting, and it's going to be great. Everybody's going to love it. How could they not? And so I show up at this meeting, and, uh, you know, it's I'm, I'm, I'm all positive. I think I'm doing the how to be right at the beginning. And then what happens when you pitch that new idea? Well, you know, most of us leaders, we get a little bit of pushback. You know, I'm not going to win over everybody in the room right away. And I had a misstep in that moment in the how to be part. Instead of in that moment thinking, oh, you know what? I've had six weeks to look at this data, to look at these numbers, and they've had six minutes. Like, of course, they're going to have some questions. Like, like, how could they not? And let me wade into this without any shred of defensiveness. And like, let me empathize with, with what their concerns are here and nail the how to be in this moment. And it would have moved everybody along in a way more effective way than what I did, which was, you know, be a little bit annoyed, a little frustrated, like, y'all, I figured this out. This is great. I've got the numbers. What, what more do you need to know? Right? I didn't quite say it that way, but that was 
that was the edge. That was what I was bringing to that equation in the how to be part. And it essentially ended up pushing some people away. And for me, pushing people away from the idea, and I had to go back and do some damage control. And, you know, eventually we worked through it. Um, but that was a big lesson for me. And, and it, it was strategically, tactically, the what to do part was correct. But the how to be in the moment was was where I got off track and, and where I lost some momentum and I wasn't, um, you know, as effective as I wanted to be as a leader in that spot. Um, you know, Jeremy, I you, really yeah. relate to that that example because, um, you know, self-awareness is a journey. <laughs> um, and about six months ago, I had this moment where I realized I was I was doing a lot of um, proposal presentations and I was really getting into the the sales part of it. And I would say at the beginning of the presentation, hey, I've got an idea. I wanted to share it with you. Looking forward to your feedback. But let me tell you about it, what it was. But then... I would tell them about the idea and then if they had any questions or attempted to give any feedback, I would start to um, get defensive about it and continue to like sell it, sell it, sell it instead of saying, you know, I've shared this information with them. I need to, I need to let them spend time with it. Let them think about it. Let them give the feedback. And I was reflecting on it and I thought, how disingenuous is that for me to say to my team, I'd love your feedback and then punish them by being defensive and kind of shutting them down when they actually do what I ask them to do at the beginning. Ooh, yeah, that's a good awareness right there. That's that's some heavy lifting. I, I like it. And I think it gets to the, the heart of your earlier question is, can a leader be successful by just focusing on the what to do? Um, yeah, probably not. I mean, not depends on your definition of success, but right there. You had the what to do, but it was the how to be part that was that was getting in your way. So great, great insight, great story. Yeah, I love on. I love the idea that you put out there that 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 self awareness is a journey, and it's a journey with no end destination. We're constantly as leaders needing to develop our awareness, and you know, I like to joke. I've been doing this work for over fifteen years, and I still make mistakes. I still find myself in the place of um, the what to do and trying to get things done kind of task-oriented and, and, and driving for results versus paying attention to the, to the how to be. Um, and so it's a journey that has its ups and its downs, and hopefully over the long haul we're, we're, we're making steady progress over time. And Jeremy, I think your example, it's a great example of so many people believe that leadership is about telling people what to do and about having all the right answers. And that's such a small part of leadership that it really should come last. There's much more, there are much more critical things a leader needs to be doing than giving direction and giving answers. Um, it's much more important for a leader to be listening and asking the right questions and building collaboration from the team. The, the, the part of giving direction and get, having the answers is really a very, very small part of a true leader. That's more of a manager, giving direction, having the answers. Um, and it's an important distinction that I think is um, 
critical to make if we're going to build our leadership capacity and our, our leadership presence as we talk about. You know, Steve, I, I'm yeah. reflecting on that, that video that you did for us um, here a few weeks ago. And, and the thing that I took away from that, there was so much good stuff on it. For our listeners, um, you can find this video on our LinkedIn, uh, Truist Leadership Institute, uh, where Steve does this lesson, this little micro lesson, three minutes long, about the difference between being a manager and being a leader. And I learned so much uh, from that, and I just love that video. But the part that really stuck with me and the part that I, I really thought about and chewed on for about a week afterwards was, Steve, you made the point that being a leader is accepting, I forget exactly how you phrased it, The I think it was the willingness to be influenced. Yeah, absolutely. And and to, to, to be curious about other people's perspectives. Uh, so many times, it, it, the more that I have worked with leaders and, you know, I've had the, the opportunity to work with leaders at all different levels of an organization, from um, those leaders that are just moving into a leadership role to those that have been leaders for a, a long period of time. They're senior leaders in their organization. And, and, and what I find is that the higher you go on the leadership ladder, the, the more you grow as a leader, um, leaders tend to lose that capacity to be curious about other people's perspectives and and really try to um, prompt other people to give input into solutions and not just have all the solutions yourself. And so for, sometimes for for uh, when we're coaching leaders at senior levels, it's more about having them um, revisit how they were as young leaders when they were curious and they didn't have all the answers, and they had to ask the right questions to get to solutions, that's when they were many times most effective as a leader. And to keep that that genuine curiosity and other people's perspectives alive is, I think, a, a, an important piece of, of any great leader. Man, that's, that's really good stuff right there, Steve. I it is, and that is a journey too. Um, you know, to to stay curious. To um, I, I was working with a leader a couple of weeks ago who said every idea has a counter, and I want to encourage my team to always be giving me the counter. And I was like, wow, that's a that's a pretty secure, confident, curious way to be in in a discussion that can sometimes um, have a lot at stake. And, uh, yeah, when, when we're curious, that's when we get to say, hey, what are my blind spots here? When we're curious, that's when we listen better, we ask better questions. As you mentioned, Steve, we, we realize that my perspective is limited, and you're going to add something from your vantage point. I likely have some biases, I have some beliefs, I have some things in the mix here that, that you know, have served me well and sometimes get in my way. So what's your perspective on this so that I can, I can broaden this and, and together? We're, we'll either battle test my idea and, and make sure that it's holding up to, to you know, some, some high levels of standards and, and critique, or uh, we'll find something even a little better than I just put on the table and be able to move forward. I mean, that's when I see leaders that are doing that, those are the ones that seem like they've got a team that's, that's really switched on and um, they're, they're all 
using and leveraging this whole how to be thing um, as as a way to be unbelievably optimized. Yeah, I, I chuckled as I was listening to you because um, asking your team for that feedback is not for the faint of heart, right? I mean, that's a that's a, that's a, tough, <laughs> place, that's a tough place to be where um, you think you've got an answer and you tell your team, okay, I want your feedback and what your expectation is, they're all going to go, oh, we love it. This is great. Let's do it. And instead you hear, well, that's not how I'd approach it or have you thought about this? And you begin to realize you got some blind spots. Um, and that's a, that's a, that is, a, that's a tough thing for a leader to do, to be able to hear that and to, to, to adjust course accordingly based on feedback that is coming from the team. Um, so I, I love that example. And, um, it's, it's not an easy, it's, it's one of those things that, um, it's, it's simple, but it's not easy to do. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. Jeremy, did you have any other examples? Yeah, I, I mean, I've got some general examples for people to be thinking about. Let's go back in time. I know this may not be a pleasant journey for many of us, but, um, you know, let's go back to March of 2020 and think about, you know, watch the tape here. How, how were you as a leader? What to do was tricky. I mean, it was, there were so many variables. There's so many ways that, that, you know, that the word pivot was used, like, you know, every second, right? Oh, I got to pivot to this, got to get a pivot to virtual. We got to do all these different things. Um, I mean, wow, right? It was, there was a lot coming at leaders that tactically they needed to respond to. And, and then in the middle of that, the how to be was about as complex and ramped up as it ever has been. And so, you know, I think a lot of times as leaders, we don't really go back and, and analyze, hey, how did I do there? How was, how was I strategically? Did, did I get the what to do part? Did I, did, I, did I build a plan that had some flexibility in it, but also had some, some courses of action that could be successful? Um, great. Or, and if not, then, okay, what did you learn from it? What are you taking away from that? And then the second piece is, okay, yeah, my, my plan was pretty solid. It had, it had, you know, multiple options depending on how things would break. Great. Good job. How'd you do on the how to be part? Were you agile? Were you open? Were you flexible? Were you creative? Were you, um, were you, were you in a perpetual state of frustration? You know, like, like, and, and no judgment on where any of those landed for you, but, Think about that and think about the impact on you as a leader. Think about the impact on your team, your organization. And my guess is, is if you, if you go back and look at that, there are probably some things you, you would do differently in the what to do place and probably a few things you might do differently in the how to be. And, you know, it's funny. As I was thinking about this conversation, I was reminded actually of something I saw Steve shift in. Um, we were we were practicing and rehearsing for this 90 minute virtual workshop that we do on um, how to embrace change and navigate and lead it in a way that's really effective and empowering. And at, towards the end of that, we talk about this distinction about, you know, great leaders, they know what to do, but they also know how to be. And I remember as we were practicing this, um, Steve was talking about in, in the chat, uh, you know, it's a, it's a virtual format. And Steve was talking about, you know, we needed to make this pivot to being able to do more virtual stuff. 
And we all knew that, and we were all working towards that. And we were all, you know, it was a little edgy and scratchy and trying to, you know, it was new stuff. We were all trying to figure it out. And I, know, I, I remember his chat when I said, well, how do we need to be in order to pull this off? And he said, open-minded. And uh, he actually followed that up with a statement and, you know, talked about, um, you know, and if you don't know this, Anna, Steve actually is, um, he doesn't love the technology. Like, uh, he, he, as, as we joke, like, what? He, walks, Steve? He, he, he walks by the printer and it, like, you know, <laughs> goes into convulsions. Like, it's, yeah. So, I mean, uh, and... So this this was like a, a stretch for him, and I I felt incensed and noticed a shift in him when he was like embraced like hey you know what then we this is this is an opportunity that is before us and if I am not open minded as one of the leaders on this then I'm probably going to be in the way of it I need to be open minded because we got to figure this out and I sensed a shift in him um, it, which which you know shifted some of the dynamic of the team and and it allowed us to to pull off the what to do in an even better way to the point Anna where on our our consulting team group text in the last week Steve has actually provided like like IT guidance and support to two of our team members and like help them through like navigate something that was like totally messing up their computer system. So I, I'm just saying like in a year, Whoa. Steve Swavely has, has come <laughs> like a long way. Yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm still, a, I'm still a, a technology doofus, but I, I do learn some things along the way as a result of um, kind of being well known at the um, technology help desk. <laughs> they, they know me by name there. I'm a celebrity <laughs> there. Yeah. yeah, you know, and you know, Jeremy. I think you, um, you, it, the the uh, situation that you talked about there is a great example of where there was no roadmap, right? Um, and if if a person is leading by having all the right answers and knowing what the solutions are. Um, those leaders falter in that scenario where there was no roadmap. It was the leaders that built a solution by collaborating with their team and using the expertise of the team to build the solution. Those are the leaders that were um, effective and that that got through that scenario in our in our in our history of working through a time when there is no roadmap and there's never been a roadmap and how do we need to be in order to create success in this so i love that i love that example and it's it's um not the first time and it won't be the last time that leaders will be faced with that type of scenario yeah you know as as you were articulating that steve it, it, it's almost as if the the how to be came first for some leaders last year. Like, I don't know what to do right now. I don't have enough data or information to actually build out my strategy, but I do know how to be. And I do know that it's important for me to show up like this, this, and this, and to collaborate and to be curious and to, to you know, provide a spirit that um, I don't have all the answers, but we're going to figure this out together. You know, that's a, that's a spirit of, um, that, that was really bringing people together. And, um, and so that almost 
starts to build some momentum towards the action plan, it's almost as if you, you flip it and you start with how to be and allow that to start to inform the what to do tactics. We can all agree that moving from being a good leader to being a great leader involves knowing how to be, not just what to do. But how do you put that in practice? Tune in to our next episode. Are you ready to explore opportunities to strengthen your leadership or your team? We'd love to talk to you about it. Email me at leadershipinstitute at truest.com to start the conversation. For show notes or to learn more about Truist Leadership Institute, visit us on the web at truestleadershipinstitute.com. Leadership Amplitude is a podcast production of Truist Leadership Institute. All rights reserved.